We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So it's mailbag time, Mr. Roberts, and we've got some uh, we've got some super chats that we we're going to start off with here. So let's uh, let's get let's get rolling, man. From Tom Connor, Tom, thank you so much. He says, "I want to clarify a question I had Friday about how Asa ranks nationally in his class with other linebackers. That's Kingston Villamo Asa. Saw that he wasn't ranked as a top five. Thanks. Well, it depends on who you're talking about." Uh, you know, let, let me pull up his ranking. I know like on three doesn't have him ranked even in the top 300, but I believe at least two services, at least one for sure, Ryan has him as a top five linebacker. So it, yep. yeah, one rivals has him as the number three linebacker in the country. So two, four, seven has him ninth. ESPN has him 11th. And then on three has him 27th with is just, okay, whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I mean, guys, Look, we can say this all the time. I just, I don't care about rankings. I don't care about what other people have them ranked. I mean, you're talking about a kid that one service has ranked third as, as the linebacker and another has 27th. Like, I mean, do, do your, you watch do your the own film. homework at that point? Yeah. Just I'll it. say this. There is zero question that Notre Dame viewed Kingston as one of the two to three best linebackers in the nation. And when they were pursuing, when they were still going after Aaron Childs and Chris Jones and guys like that, Kingston was a priority, if not the priority, as as their inside linebacker. That's just a fact. And when it came down to it, there was Chris Jones who had visited recently. Kingston had been on campus for a spring visit. Notre Dame decided to zero in on Kingston and not Chris Jones. And it's kind of like, Ryan, we were having this con- – you and I were having this conversation off air yesterday, and you know, I've watched the Nathaniel Frazier kid who you then popped in the film and and we both like him. He's a good football player, but like people so on three of them is like a five-star kid. Another side of them is a top 30 type of kid. All, all, but actually I think all outlets have him ranked ahead of Kedron Young. And I'm like, I'm looking at the film and I'm saying, no, he's just not. I mean, if you put Kedron Young behind the modern day offensive line, good night. I mean, what would that look like? That The, the rankings are what they are. And we can keep having the conversations about it, whatever. But 
Notre Dame, all that matters is Notre Dame thought he was that good. He was one of the three to four best linebackers in the country. We'll find out if they're correct or not. And I, I think that's a bigger point, Ryan, especially with this defensive staff. I know that some of these guys aren't ranked as high. Kingston is ranked high. You know, it's just some more than others. We're going to do a show on this at some point in time, Ryan. But just a, a quick note, a quick thing to mention now is very. it's very clear this Notre Dame staff on defense is banking on their evaluation skills in this 24 class. Right. Because they are going after guys like Cole Mullins and Bryce Young and Bodie Cahoon. I mean, again, Bodie Cahoon is a guy that whatever you think of his ranking – Ryan, almost all the way back in March, when the board was still big at linebacker, he became a priority for Notre Dame. And, and it wasn't because the they, list. yeah, and so. it wasn't because they thought it'd be easy. Tennessee was pushing for him, Virginia Tech, Virginia, North Carolina. So they're banking on their evaluations. Leonard Moore, cornerbacks, another guy that this staff just thinks is a much better player than the rankings. And so that's why they pushed for him. So we're going to find out if they're right and how good they are at evaluating. And we'll have a much bigger show of that because that's going to ultimately define this 24 class, especially on defense. Well, I only pay attention to rankings if they're all kind of pretty similar-ish in the same right. ballpark. That kind of tells you that there's probably a decent consensus. If there's widespread gap, like Micah Bell being a top 100 player by one and then being the three-star number 90 player in the state of Texas, like just do your own homework <laughs> at that point. So like, that's right. kind of where we are. Exactly. What does the film tell you? That's basically what it boils down to. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Raymond Hartman says, thank you so much for the super chat, Raymond. Happy Monday, guys. Can't wait for the practice report for tomorrow night. Pumped for this year's team. Yeah, tomorrow's obviously, for those who don't know, tomorrow is a full practice. It's our second and last full practice viewing of the camp, and it's really going to be our, our best sense. We, look, there's only so much we can gather from the first five periods, and that's why most of my practice reports are on just how guys look moving around because there's not a lot of competition. That's what I loved about Saturday's practice because there was a lot of competition. 
in those five early periods, but we just haven't seen quite as much of that so far. I'm, I'm excited about tomorrow's as well. So, you know, we, we, we're getting closer and closer to the season. We're going to have some preseason stuff. Ryan and I are going to do some, some, just some looks at Notre Dame and what we think they can be and their schedule and things along those lines as we get closer to the season. But yeah, this is the time of the year to be excited, Ryan. I mean, it, it, it is. I mean, if you can't be excited now, and I, I understand Notre Dame fans have sort of that, you know, I don't want to be let down. And it's like, look, just it's football, man. Enjoy it, right? Be excited about it. And if if the team isn't as good as we think, then we can get back to the drawing board. But I, I really, I really do like this team. I think this team has a lot more talent than people thought. Like I see a lot of Notre Dame fans when the ranking came out and, you know, ah, you know, 15 to 20. And I'm like, there are not 20 teams, 15 teams that should be ranked ahead of their name. I'm okay with 13th. Uh, the coaches poll came out today. They had Notre Dame 13th. I, I can live with that because Notre Dame does have a lot to prove, but I just, I just feel like even some Notre Dame fans, Ryan, are, are, are really, and I think it's more about just not being willing to, set yourself up for another disappointment and and i get that i really do i do but i think this team has a chance to be really good and on top of the fact that there's just there's just not a lot of elite teams out there man there just really aren't well we're 19 days away from kickoff right so i mean at the core it's football so i mean if you whether Notre Dame goes and i know this is going to sound like sacrilege to some people whether they go 12 and 0 or eight and four and miss out. Like I'm still going to enjoy football season because it's yeah. a game I love. So it's kind of where we are. Yep. I, uh, and I also have a, another quick note, Ryan, I know that you saw that the USA today coaches poll came out today, right? Yeah. And they had Notre Dame 13th, which I was actually kind of uh, happy about to see them rank 13th. Not that I'm an overly superstitious person, but do you know the last time Notre Dame ranked 13th in the coaches poll? Do you know what year that was? No. 1988. Hmm. Someone just said it was 12th. Hmm? No. Coach's poll's 13th. Oh. Okay. Yeah, they're 13th in the coach's poll. Yep. The AP poll might have come out today as well, and they're 12th there, but the only one that I've seen so far, that if that came out, it came out after uh, the show started. Gotcha. But, uh, yep. So last time Notre Dame finished or was ranked 13th, and the preseason coaches poll was 2000 and 2000 and um, or 1988. So a little small, a little fun, a little omen there. We had another super chat from Scott Gibbs who says, will ESPN troubles impact Notre Dame's TV negotiations? I have no idea, Scott. Honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know that ESPN is, would even be a, player in Notre Dame TV deals. I just, I don't know, Ryan, that ESPN would even have the room to make Notre Dame a, a partner just because the amount of games they're already showing, like how would they be able to make Notre Dame a prime team every week? You know, I, I don't know how that would every week that they're a home team. I don't know that that would work. So I, I don't know. I mean, I've never heard ESPN's name really mentioned. I've heard Fox, I've heard CBS and I've heard NBC. Those are the only, names that I've really heard. So I would say this, maybe if ESPN was a little bit better place financially and didn't make a bid at Notre Dame, it might drive the price up a little bit, but I I, I honestly don't know how that's going to impact it, to be honest with you. It's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic, man. This whole thing is just really, uh, yeah, 
it's an we could do a whole show on this, but I don't want to go on another rant like I did. Uh, ESPN did is the Pac-12 of uh, providers. So. I, I mean, that's kind of how I feel, Ryan. I mean, I, I'm, yeah. do you have some thoughts on that? Because I kind of went on a rant about this I on no Friday. I, I just don't see how this. I mean, with everything that we're hearing about all the layoffs and you know Disney's trying to sell them and all these other type of things, it's just like, how are they going to be able to afford all these deals that they've signed? You know, probably and then not, now, now you know why they want out of the ACC deal. They want out of the yeah. ACC deal because they don't they don't want to have to commit that kind of money every year to that conference because I don't think sure. they can afford it. And they're not giving up the SEC. That's for sure. But who does ESPN have right now? ES, they have the SEC and yeah. the ACC. They don't have the Big Ten anymore. They'll have some Big Ten games, but they don't have the Big Ten anymore. They don't really have the Big 12 as much anymore. That's now a, a, a lot of Fox. They kind of have the Big 12, but there's no conference that's now exclusive to ESPN other than ACC and SEC. And they're so, still hemorrhaging money. So Right, right. We had a, another super chat from Tyler Evans. Tyler, thank you so much. What do Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon do in the Pac-4 now? Well, I had a, a great email that was sent to me that I put on Twitter which was just really funny. They uh, there was an early betting odds for who's going to win the conference in 2024 for the Pac-4, and it was Oregon State, Washington, Stanford, and Cal in that order to uh, to win the win the pack. Which I thought was kind of funny that Cal was under Stanford, but yeah, it's uh, I don't know what they're going to do, man. I mean, I, I feel like they might have to join the Mountain West at some point because the pack. Could be like, yeah, we're done with this now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ryan, when I when I look at it, it, it here's the way I kind of see it: either, either one of the conferences takes them. You know, like the rumor du jour today is the ACC looking at Stanford. I don't know why the ACC would want Stanford. I don't. I, and I know there's people out there and they're just start rattling off all the Olympic sports success that they have and the academic. But guys, that doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter. This is about. TV revenue. And even though that they're in the San Francisco area, San Francisco's not a college town. I mean, have you ever seen the attendance at a Stanford spring game? It's one of the most apathetic fan bases ever. Even when they are good, it's an apathetic fan base. There's just no support that moves the needle. The only reason that I could think that the ACC is making a run at Stanford is it's all part of a let's, how do I put this, Ryan? Because I said it to you more directly, but it's I think the ACC knows their only chance of survival is to somehow convince Notre Dame to join. I think that's their only chance in, in some capacity. Maybe Stanford they view as some sort of, if we can bring Stanford, we can somehow convince Notre Dame. I, I don't think that would mean a whole lot to Notre Dame, but that's the only thing that I can think of as to why they would have any interest in Stanford. Again, like, it would make no sense to me. That is not a a revenue-producing football program and that's ultimately what this is all about right i mean can we all admit this is all about football right i mean it is it's all about football the pac-12 is a pretty good basketball conference last i checked and that's where i think the big 12 commissioner has been somewhat savvy is he understands like if you like he actually is trying to build a basketball conference that's also really good and saying can we be good enough at football but have that niche of being a great basketball conference that we can yeah. still be an attractive TV partner. And so far it's worked. I mean, they, they got a pretty decent deal. I think what, like 35 to 40 million per school, I believe is where they're at. 
And then now they've added the Arizona market, which you and I have talked about in the past is a smart market to add. And they've, they've now, they've now got the Salt Lake city and and that area completely wrapped up now with Utah and Boise. And then they've added the Denver market to their, and I'll say this, the Denver market right now doesn't mean a whole lot, but if Dion starts winning, that market all of a sudden becomes a little bit more, okay, they're going to start paying a little bit attention now more more now so it, it's all interesting but i just i don't know man i could be wrong ryan and i have no data to support this it's just a gut feel i think this whole thing's a house of cards i do and somebody on the board the other day made a great point he's like what i'm saying right now with this tv stuff it reminds me so much of the housing market stuff that was happening prior, prior to 2008 we're just kind of kept artificially going up and up and up and up for no there was no sound foundation for why it was going up and then it was because it was all built on it was just all a facade and then just collapsed and um i just kind of i was i thought that was the best the best analysis i've seen yet of of what's going off these tv deals in my opinion i think the acc stamper thing is i think it's just trying to fulfill a number to stay afloat to be honest like that's kind of how i took it i yeah. could there be a master plan to allure others i mean sure i, I think that's, that's always possible that would get them to I, 15 right? right so i mean yeah they they have to add somebody i mean these sure. conferences usually try to focus on evens although yeah. maybe they don't have to if they're divisions but like to have that one team out west like that's why I don't know that I buy it. I think it's a panic move. I think it's a panic move for numbers. It's kind of what I look at. Yeah. That's why I'm just not sure that I buy that. That's a real thing. You know, I really, I really don't. Cause I mean, gosh, a few hours before Oregon and Washington left, we heard these reports about how PAC 12, everybody's on board. They're going to resign. And then all of a sudden, boom, it's dead. So I don't know. I don't know what to believe from this stuff, man, to be honest with you. But uh, just so people know, I, I I am correct on that. Somebody said something about 1988. I'm just I, I looked it up. They were 13th in the code. They were 13th in in 1988. So now right, let's get back to some more questions here, Mr. Roberts. Next question is from Crying Belly, who says, "Do you think Notre Dame uses more 13 or 21 personnel this season? Do they go 11 more than they go 12?" I think they will use more 13 this year because it's going to be a great goal line situation. So I think they're going to be in goal line and short yardage a lot more than they're going to be using 21 personnel. Ryan, I love 21 personnel. They better use it at some point in time, if not 20 or 21 personnel. I said in a show last week, if I don't see them go 20 personnel, at least one series with two backs and Chris Tyree in the slot, I'm going to be upset. But the point is, being an 11 personnel with Chris Tyree gives you everything you would get out of 21 personnel. Right. So it's kind of like, do you really need to use that a ton? That's why I think 20 would actually be the the, the thing that I would like to see a little bit more, just as an occasional changeup. But what does 21 give you that you don't have out of 11 personnel? And you actually have even more diversity out of 11 personnel now, because you can easily put Chris Tyree still in the backfield. It's not like that kid forgot how to play running back. So... I don't know that we'll see a ton of 21 personnel and we'll see a lot of 13. And I do think there'll be more 11 this year than 12. I think both, I yeah. think those are my thoughts. What do you think about that, Ryan? I, I think 11 is absolutely where Notre Dame is trending. It's obviously never going to be just the only personnel grouping that happens. But I think now that Notre Dame is feeling better and better about the wide receiver group that they have, the depth that they have, especially with the four freshmen coming in, I think that when you look at, you know, where is the offense going to trend? I think that 
Again, there's some questions as far as the depth of tight end from an injury perspective in a couple spots. So 11 personnel is perfect. You know, you still have the ability to be multiple with a tight end on the field, but you have the ability to keep three wide receivers on the field. And you luckily have guys like Jane Thomas and Jaden Greathouse who can also bring some of the blocking stuff that you need inside that you would get out of a 12 personnel situation at times as well. So I think that you have a bunch of versatility at wide receiver that's going to definitely move more towards the 11. We had a question from Andrew Gilmore. It says, any comments on how sad Oakland sports have become? Raiders gone. The A's are leaving to Las Vegas. Is that a thing? I didn't hear that one. Uh, the Warriors move across the Bay to San Francisco. Now Cal football, who has been bad for years, is downgraded. I mean, I've never, I haven't really thought about it. So, yeah, I mean, it's sad, though, Andrew, when you think about it. I have, it way, I have thoughts bad. about it. It's just not something that I care to talk about in a sports show because I don't think this has to do with sports. I think this has to do more with what Oakland has become in a lot of ways. So, and, and, and Oakland's never been a community that was overly supportive of its sports programs because I could say something about politics and what Oakland is right now from a political standpoint, but the Raiders have been jumping back and forth from LA to Oakland for decades. I mean, that that's not a new thing, right? They were the Oakland Raiders. Then the, there were the LA Raiders and the Oakland Raiders, LA Raiders, Oakland Raiders. I mean, this is, this has been kind of, the A's have been struggling to get support from the city and the fan base for decades. That's why they've been a small market team for so long. So population doesn't always equal a big fan base that's going to support those teams. It just, you know, right. it just doesn't. And I think also too, Ryan, is the the Raiders were the team and you know that Oakland supported. They've never they've never supported a, a, a team like they supported the Raiders. And even then the Raiders, they didn't support enough to be able to keep them in Oakland. So uh there, there's a lot of issues going on in California that are making sports a problem. Because like like guys, let's be honest about this, right? The Pac 12 was primarily it made up in was it so it's UCLA, Cal. USC, Stanford. So like what, four of your big teams are in the most populated state in the country and it's not even close, right? So if you want to look at it from an electoral college standpoint, you know, I think Texas is like, what, 35? Let me see what it was in, in 2022. So in 2022, and I like to use the electoral college because it has to do with, it has to do with, um, with population, right? It's, it's basically made up for population. So in 2000 and, and um, so the, the most recent one, so that, so California's at 54, right? Cause they lost one uh, in the most recent one. So uh, this is based off the 2020 census. They, they are down to 254. I think Texas is the next highest. Texas is now up to 40. So even Texas getting some, they were, let me see what they were in 2022, 2000, the 20, 2020 election. So let me just see this real quick. In 2020, Texas gave you 38 electoral votes. California's at 55. The next highest is Florida at 29. So the, the point being, Ryan, is even with those states growing rapidly, Florida's now up to 30. Texas will be up to 40. Those two states are getting more votes and California's losing some. They're still not anywhere close to California. Not anywhere close. 
And so uh, there's a huge amount of people out there. They just don't watch college sports. I mean, that's just, and that's not an indictment. So there, Ryan, you know this, there are some towns that are big towns. They're just pro towns. Pitt, Pittsburgh's another one. The Panthers can't even get their own stadium. And when they do have a, a home game, we've been to Notre Dame games where the, the upper deck's almost empty. And if it wasn't for Notre Dame fans, it'd be like, who'd be there? Why? Right. Pittsburgh is a pro town. This is the reality of it. In California is, and my wife, my wife grew up in San Diego. She said, going to like Chargers games as a kid, it was just like a social event. It wasn't like that anybody loved the Chargers. It was just like a, it was a social event, right? It just, that's how sports are. And, and even the pro sports, that's why they're losing teams. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they've never been able to hold these, these, these franchises. And so it's just not a, it's just not a, it's a different dynamic out there and we can get into politics and all that kind of stuff, but this has been an issue for a long time. This isn't new. I just think now college sports, even more so just nobody cares anymore. And and you see it in the attendance, you see it in the, the amount of lack of television that they have there and those type of things. I mean, this, Seattle's a huge TV market. It just, it's a pro town, Ryan, right? I mean, it's in Seattle, again, they lost an NBA team. I mean, they yep. couldn't keep an NBA team, a, a, a historic NBA team. One have been around for forever. They're now the, the Oklahoma City Thunder. So it's just been a, a problem in the West Coast for a long time. And we like to talk about the political situation of it now. And at the end of the day, what we're seeing now is not new, Ryan. This has been a problem for a long time. The issue is now is the money is so great in those other conferences that now that lack of support out West is killing them. Yeah. I mean, it just absolutely killing them. And that's to me what it comes down to. So I think it's more about just the insane numbers we're seeing thrown around in these conferences that I just, again, I just don't think is sustainable. I really don't. I, I so, think the one thing that we have learned is that Cal football needs to move to Las Vegas. Cause that's there you go. I don't know how you're going to move that campus. Uh, oh, you can. we'll see. Oh, they can you make know? that happen. They can make but, that happen. uh, I, you know, I like, honestly, I'm curious, like, do some of these schools just decide to go FCS? I mean, I really don't have a clue what's going to happen to be well, honest with probably, you, but probably uh, power five. I mean, um, yeah. group of five would be my yeah. guess, but we'll see. We were talking earlier too. the, 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 and I forgot to finish this point, Ryan is I don't know, like if the mountain, West, we've heard rumors that the mountain West and pack, the pack four are going to merge. The thing is, I don't think they can merge into the Pac-12 or Pac-whatever. It would have to be they'd merge the Mountain West because the Mountain West has a TV rights deal. And every team that gets out, because we learned this when San Diego State was looking at getting out and maybe trying to go to the Pac-12, it's like a $34 million buyout. Yeah, like The Mountain West isn't going to just give up there. Now, could there be a situation where the Mountain West renames themselves the Pac-something? I don't know the answer to that, but it would most likely have to be they go to the Mountain West as opposed to right. all the Mountain West teams. They would, they would have to they would absorb the Pac-12 as opposed to the other way around. And if you're a team in the Mountain West, why in the world would I want to be affiliated with the leadership of a conference that just did what they've done the last decade? Pac-12 sure. in the last 12 years went from all, from turning down Texas and Oklahoma to now being dead 12 years later. I mean, think about that because they didn't want to deal with the pack, the, the Longhorn Network. Think about that. They could have had Texas and Oklahoma when this whole they, thing they, started. They've been around since 1916 as well. So yeah. it was a historical conference to your point. Yep. So, Absolutely. Yeah. We had Coleman Smith with the question. He said, what are your thoughts on the NCAA rule changes with running clock, et cetera? Personally, I don't want an NFL-type feel in college football. 
Man, Coleman, there's so many different reasons why I don't want that. I mean, I'm with you on that. We're seeing a lot more of the rule changes are in, in a lot of these conference shifts. I mean, what what, are, what is college football heading towards, Ryan? A bigger version of the AFC and the NFC. That's what it's heading yeah. towards, basically, right? Yeah. Where the Big Ten and whatever it is is going to become like the AFC and the SEC and whoever they absorb is the NFC. And that's what TV, that's what the TV deal the companies want, right? They just want the two conferences and it's a lot easier to deal and all this other kind of stuff. I, I understand why they're doing it to a degree because the NFL is the most popular sport in America and they're trying to be like that. But I don't think you'd be, it's never a good business model to, well, let's try to beat them by being them. You're yeah. not them. You've got to beat them by finding something unique about what you do. And I've just never understood the laziness that that entails. And I, I just don't think it's possible, right? Because like somebody told me the other day, what's going to happen is these schools are going to leave the NCAA. And that's a very popular thing. But here's the thing. I don't think these conferences are in a hurry to get out from underneath the NCAA umbrella. Because once that happens, Ryan, what else do they lose? all the protection that they get from the NCAA that keeps them as a quote unquote amateur organization. The minute yeah. you break off and become your own entity, all the protections that came from all the different uh, court cases and laws that protect the NCAA, where you cannot treat your players as employees, that's gone. It's gone. And you're now going to have to be looking at And none of these schools want their players to be considered employees for a million reasons. And honestly, players shouldn't want to be considered employees because yeah. you may think you want to be an employee, but you you don't want to be that, you know? So I don't think the NCAA is going to implode in that regard. I just think it's going to have to go through like a massive overhaul, right? And I've thought about that too. I've said in the past, the NCAA is dead and get out from underneath it. But then as you think about it, I don't know that that would make a lot of sense. Like it's an, it's an emotional reaction, but practically speaking, I don't know that you want to get out from underneath the protection. It's like the scene from the Godfather, right? Ryan, have you ever seen the Godfather? Remember when Don Corleone dies and they're like, Hey, we lost all of our political protection. Now that the, the, the Godfather's dead. Right. And that's what happens to the NCAA when they get when, to the, these colleges, when they get out from underneath the protection of the NCAA. So I think it, it would probably be more of a, Hey, let's revamp the NCAA and give it a different mission, but still keep it the NCAA. That way, all the things that we have to protect us still apply. Uh, then, then to start their own thing, it, it's it's going to be interesting. It would be more of just a TV contract. They would become one entity as part of a TV deal, as opposed to a governing body. Right. Is kind of what I'm thinking about it. At least, unless right. until these schools change their their how they view their players and say we're just going to be another professional organization. With great power comes great responsibility. And, and the is, NCAA has not yeah. lived up to that, Ryan. Yeah. At all. Well, I, I don't think that the conferences want that much responsibility either. Like, that no. sounds like a lot. They just want the bucks, Ryan. Yeah. They just want the money. Yeah. They just want the yeah. money. And Andrew Gilmore says, can someone address this Dante Moore stuff? Is it legal or not? Is it legal? Or legit not? or not? I mean, oh, legit. I'm sorry. Is it legit? Or yeah. Not? So there's been other reports that Dante has come out and said it's not true. Ryan, you know what this is. This is his dad. This is his dad not getting enough money or whatever the case may be. And so his dad starts leaking this crap about he's not happy. And then Dante has to answer for it again. Yeah. You know, and um, that's it's, I, I, I read that and I was like, oh, God, that's so his dad. That is 100 percent his dad. You, That's not Dante. That's his dad. No, it's not Dante. It's not Dante. 
Well, I, I feel bad. I, I feel really bad for Dante, and I feel bad that for anybody that read those reports and was like, Dante Moore is this or Dante Moore is that. I'm just like, nope, that's Dante Moore's dad. Like that's just all right. it is, man. At I mean, some point in time, Dante's got to take control of his life, right? But yeah. that's much easier said than done, guys, for an 18 year old, right? Like, yeah. oh, he just needs to do that. Like, how many of us had the balls to do that when we were 18 years old, right? And, right. and to me, I couldn't tell you if I had the balls or not because I didn't have that kind of dad. I had a very loving and supportive dad. Ryan, I know that you had a very supportive dad that you are so close with. I'm so close with mine. I couldn't even imagine what it'd be like to have a dad that constantly put him through the things that he's putting through as far as basically just how I view it. It's my opinion. Yeah. He views his kid as a meal ticket. That's it. It's a meal ticket. I'm going to use my son to get mine. That's how I view him. And so some of the deals that he was promised, you know, he's probably not getting. And now he's leaking to people about how, well, Dante's not happy. Dante's perfectly happy. Right, he's like a, a a low budget version of Lonzo of of um what's that guy's Lonzo Ball's dad's name? What's that guy's oh, name? Lavar 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 Ball. Ball. I, I, that's what he seems to me. I'm going to use my son to get mine, and yeah. and where Dante's just like, can I please go play football now, please? You know, like that's how I view it. And and his his son has a chance to not only be a great college football player, but get generational wealth potentially in the NFL. And I just hope yeah. that his dad doesn't ruin him. I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I really do. I, I just, I really hope that doesn't happen, man, because I like Dante. And, and I know the fans don't, and they, no, oh, he's got to do his own thing. And, you know, again, easier said than done, guys. Easier said than done. We had a question from Tyler Eric who says, what is the one recruit on offensive defense that you are most excited to see their senior year film? It's a great question. Uh, I, what, would your, what would yours defense. be on? I, I, let me let me ask you this, Ryan. So we're talking twenty four kids, right? So let let me right. ask you: give me the three kids on offense in order that you're really looking forward to seeing their senior film and why? Because I think it's gonna be taken different ways. So let's go offense, Ryan. Give me that. Three guys on offense that I'm looking forward to seeing their senior film. Anthony Knapp is one out of Roswell, Georgia, offensive tackle. I had a report that I put on the message board that apparently he's up to 282 pounds now, which I thought was a really promising thing, and he's maintained a lot of athleticism, I was told by his coaches. So I'm hoping he plays at a higher weight class this year and he shows that his foundational things that we do like about him are prevalent on his film. Anthony Knapp would be one without question. I think number two for me would be Logan Saldate. I liked his junior film a lot. I'm looking forward to seeing what his senior film looks like because I've heard that he is taking it up a notch from an athleticism perspective and his ability to change direction. Number three for me would be Styles Prescott. I like Styles' film. I don't love Styles' film, though, to be very honest. I think that there is a lot to work with, but I just didn't leave me like crazily excited when the I tools the are better so than the film excited. would you say that's true ryan the tools are better than the film yeah i, I have some questions about hip hip flexibility as well mm -hmm. but I, I think that there's building blocks to work on so i hope he has a big year how about defense ryan what would the three guys that you would say on defense bryce young for me defense uh defensive ends he's playing obviously at a much bigger weight this year let's see what his play style is like and how much the jumping takes Bodie Cahoon would be a big one for me. I really want to see Bodie. And although Carson Hobbs is banged up and might miss maybe a game or two, I'm excited to see what he looks like as a senior because it seems like the track numbers really improved this past year, and I'm looking to see if he adds a, a little bit more twitch to his game defensively. 
Cole Mullins, because I just want to see if he's going to take the jump that he wants to take. I think Bryce Young is a big one. And I like the Bodie Cahoon one, Ryan, because like you have, you've written about before, this kid didn't move to linebacker to like what game, what, three or four of his junior yeah, he only, season? He's only, he's only played five games at linebacker right. in his career. So, I'm really yeah. curious to see. He's gotten bigger this offseason. He's now, football's now definitely the sport he's going to play. I'm really interested to see what Bodie does this year. Offensively, I really want to see Micah Gilbert healthy. I think he's got a chance to have a big breakout year. I wouldn't say that I, I'm excited to see that. I wouldn't say that I'm excited to see Logan Saldate's senior film, just more curious to see his senior film. I am really excited to see Kedron Young's senior film. I think that kid's going to be an, a, an absolute monster this season. And then um, I'm, I'm with you on Styles because Styles is also a kid that's over 280 now. And I'm curious yeah. to see if, you know, how that projects into that, into that next level. So that would be my, that would be my group of that one. Good, good stuff. We had Eric O'Brien who says, what can be expectations for Brennan Vernon in 2023? Well, I think right now the expectation, Eric, is just learn the defense, keep getting more comfortable. I like what I've seen from Brennan in practice. You know, he's got a really nice get off. He, he's probably just, from what I've seen so far, the quickest off the line of all the freshmen. He's a guy that has really, Ryan, I didn't realize how long he was. I know you saw him down in this. I didn't realize how long he was just because the way that they, he was used a mentor. He's got really long arms. Uh, looks to be in very good shape. Looks comfortable on the edge. So I just think it's a learning process. Right now, again, gosh, guys, we're like in practice like 10 or 11, right? So we're still not even halfway through fall camp. He's, he's ahead of the other four freshmen right now. As, as a freshman, but he's still very much a learning process. So I don't have a lot of expectations for Brandon other than to just keep learning. But if I had to predict right now, based on what we've seen so far today, which freshman has the best chance to get on the field this year on the D line, it'd be Brennan Vernon, which surprised me because he's a guy that I thought needed a lot of work, but I'll just say this, that kid's been putting in work this off season. Like his, Ryan, his yeah. hand play looks so much better. His get off is really nice. He's, He's even he's he looks a lot like he did in January, you know, like where he'd slimmed down and was in really good shape. So he he's been impressive to me so far. He really he's has. a mean dude, man. I'm excited yeah. to see him with uh with good weight on his frame because he was looked a lot twitchier down in San Antonio. That's for sure, comparative to what he looked like just kind of in the, some mm-hmm. of the senior clips we saw because he was 30 pounds lighter than yeah. what he was as and a, they were as they were senior. letting him come loose too. The, he, if you did you see the highlight film from the other night when they had that practice the high school film? Yep. It was like there was one of Brendan Vernon making a, a sideline tackle, a pursuit tackle, where him and an, I couldn't tell who the DB was, and him and a DB were tackling a, a receiver, looked like a receiver. So he's looking really good. Let me ask this I, next I think, one. Ryan. I think there's a I think there was a common misconception about Brendan Vernon because he's you know this kid that we've known about for a long time that he's like this low ceiling kid and i'm just like yeah vernon's talented man like he's, he's the opposite talented. yeah yeah, yeah. higher ceiling lower floor needed a lot of work yeah yeah i'm gonna ask this one ryan because i want uh, this is more for you uh okay. at first five burko her burkhart boys asks uh can you talk about why jerome bettis jr is a take i just don't see him competing at a high level at notre dame we talked a little bit about this but can you just kind of dive into it a little more specifically with this yeah. question oh I think that it's a similar to what we talked about with Bryce Young this past process, right? Bryce Young was not a Notre Dame caliber player when I first saw him, when he first got his offer at Notre Dame, in my opinion. He was 215 pounds, underdeveloped, like he just didn't look like a Notre Dame football player. But 
there was growth that happens, right? And I think, again, we have to consider Jerome Bettis Jr. is about to play his junior year of high school. It's not like this kid's about to be a senior or even a freshman in college. Like there is still two years of growth that is about to happen for this young man. And I think anytime you have a kid that has NFL pedigree, there is possibility to grow into a player that you see and that you expect him to turn into. So Bryce Young, it paid off. Jerome Bettis Jr., I think Notre Dame's thinking that there's going to be a similar trajectory. And plus this offseason, he's had some opportunities at camps that we've seen where he looks like a different type of athlete than what he looked Mm -hmm. like in 2022 film. So I think you're betting on the upside, the projection. You have to remember that he's only a sophomore in high school. Brian, we need to address something that people keep bringing up, and it just amazes me. Uh, This is from John DeCrisio. He says, also, if you take into consideration all the sports, the Pac-12 was awesome. How many times has Stanford won the Sears Cups for all sports? I also think the Pac-12 has more national championships for all sports than any other conference. The problem is leadership in the Pac-12. The leadership is a a symptom of a bigger problem. But folks, if the leadership in the Pac-12 sucked, they would still have a conference. Y'all get that, right? If there was TV value in the Pac-12, there would be an offer on the table. Like, you guys have to come to grips with this. What these schools do in non-football sports really doesn't matter when it comes to TV deals. Why did Washington and Oregon leave the Pac-12, Ryan? Money. What's driving the money? Football. That's it. Right? We're making this way too complicated. It doesn't matter how good the Pac-12 is and those other sports are. If it was, Stanford would be a – Stanford women's basketball team won a national championship recently. Right, there's their water polo, all their sports. They're great. They're great at all the sports. Nobody cares because it doesn't drive revenue. It doesn't. That's not what these deals are being made about. If if those sports were so great at producing revenue, then there'd still be a Pac-12. The the Pac-12 leadership has sucked for a long time. Larry Scott was a terrible conference commissioner, and the guy that replaced him was in over his head and not good either. But we hit, the Big 12 also went through a long period of time where its leadership was terrible, too. And guess what? It's still a thriving entity, despite losing its two premier teams, right? That's not just leadership. That's also, there's it's more of a football market. So we can talk about how good the Pac-12 is. We've never said the Pac-12 wasn't a great conference and not football sports. But because they haven't been really relevant in football on a championship level for a long time, And because they have an apathetic fan base, and you cannot deny that the Pac-12 has a largely apathetic fan base outside of a couple schools. Oregon has a pretty pretty good fan base, right? I mean, I think it's a very small fan base. It's a a rabid one, but it's not like the USC fan base when USC is good. USC has a great fan base when they're good. It just evaporates when they're not good. That's just the problem. And the USC UCLA foot basketball fan base isn't big enough to move the needle. Like we have to understand, we have to come to grips with that. I've had this conversation recently with somebody on the message board, Ryan, and they're saying, I said, there's no way the big 10 is going to want Stanford and Cal and they're going to want Washington and Oregon. And just kept coming at me with like their academic standing and how good these other sports. I'm like, then why aren't people beating down the door to get Stanford in their conference? When the PAC 12 was, was disintegrating, why has nobody come for Stanford? Well, apparently ACC is so supposedly, yeah. But 
that's as a what? Well, there's nobody left. Why didn't the Big 12 go for Stanford? Why didn't the Big 10 go for Stanford? Because none of that stuff matters, Ryan. This is the whole point. They have one of the worst Power 5 fan bases in, in, in the country from an apathetic standpoint. There's just no TV market for those programs. And if there was, they'd be in a different position right now. So yeah. we can talk about how great the Pac-12 is at sports. Again, we're not disputing that. Matter of fact, I wish that mattered more. I don't like the current reality, but I'm I'm just explaining to you what the current reality is. I hate it. I hate it. If I had my wish and I was the president of college sports, I'd go back to the old conferences. I'd, there'd be like nine. I mean, the ACC, I'd bring that back to Big East. I'd bring back the Southwest Conference. You'd still have the Big Eight. You'd have the SEC. You'd have the Pac-10. You know, that's what I, I'd make. The Mountain West would be better because I'd send like, you know, BYU back there. I mean, that's what I wish we would do. That's just not reality because right now it's all about TV money and it's and the TV money all comes from football. So all that stuff doesn't matter. We can talk about it all we want. And it's, but it's not just a leadership problem because if it was a leadership problem in the conference, then you'd see these, these conferences kind of competing for all those schools. And to a degree, that's what you saw, right? With the USC and UCLA. It's what you saw with the Utah, with the Arizona schools. You and I have been taught, have talked about this in the past, Ryan, where if the big 12 is smart, they're going to go try to get those Arizona schools because that's a growing TV market. Yeah. And it's not a huge professional sports area, right? You've got the Suns and you've got the Cardinals and all that and and the Diamondbacks, but like there's a there's a growing college fan base there and it's a big TV market. You you went you'd go Colorado makes sense to a degree, but if Stanford was this great sports program in the in the areas where it matters to these conferences, wouldn't they be one of the first ones to get scooped up? You'd think so, right? But they're not. That's why. I mean, because if, if Oregon didn't have the Nike money, Oregon's Oregon State, they're sitting there without a, a conference. right? Or actually, you know what? The Pac-12 might still be a thing because Oregon is the one that led the, the leave, this most recent leave to or push to leave. And then Washington followed them out the door. So that stuff just doesn't matter. I feel like I'm in a Game of Thrones episode where everyone's just trying to strengthen their house to sit right. on the throne in the end. But right. I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, and the good, night king's gonna come in and kill everyone. But yeah, yeah. I like that analogy. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants—they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. John Marinich says, who's better, Cam Williams or Taylor Taylor? Right now, Cam Williams, because he's a junior in high school, yeah. compared to a sophomore in high school. As a sophomore, Taylor was better. But Cam made a huge jump as a junior. Like yeah, a huge a jump. We'll see what kind of... Talon, to now your point, Ryan, Talon now needs to make a jump to now catch back up to where Cam was as a junior. So if you look at them both as sophomores, Talon was a better player. Cam became the better player as a junior. Now we're going to see what Talon can do as a junior. But uh, both have very high ceilings. There's no doubt about that. Both very good players. We can all agree on that. Yes. Yep. 
Next question from Pete Weber says, will all of this conference realignment have any impact on any big time recruits in the 2024, 2025 class worth keeping an eye out on? That's an interesting question. Yeah. I don't know that I have an answer, Ryan. I mean, I think that's kind of a, a way. I mean, I think it will with some schools, right? Like I think this is going to kill Stan. I mean, this is going to, this is going to really hurt Stanford and Oregon state and Cal until they can find a home. Right. I mean, you're thinking you're signing up to be part of a PAC 12 team and now where yeah. are you going to be? I, I I don't know. Like, does does being in the Big Twelve help Arizona now dip into Texas more? Does it help Colorado get their recruiting foothold back in Texas again? I think it's possible. I don't know, but it's just it's too early to tell. To be honest with you, I I don't like. I don't think going to the Big Twelve or Big Ten is going to all of a sudden make Oregon a better recruiting school. I don't. I don't know that it will, but but I could be wrong. I mean, we have we don't know one way or the other. To me. I think those schools think it's going to help. Like, I don't think going to the SEC is going to help Texas recruit better. What's going to help yeah. Texas recruit better is being better on the football field. And I don't think the going to the SEC helps them get better on the football field. I think staying in the right. Big 12 and dominating the Big 12 would have helped them recruit better. I don't know what you think about that, Ryan. But overall, I just think it's too early to tell what some of these moves. It's still too fresh. I really don't know how these kids are going to process all these well, things. The, the, co- the coaches and the decision makers, though, for these Pac-12 teams that are left just kind of sitting out there right now, they're going to have to have answers for those kids. I mean, like yeah. I think about Stanford with Elijah Brown and Benedict Ume and some good football players, right, that are committed to Stanford in the 2024 class. Yeah. There's a couple of kids from Oregon State that I think are really talented, including yeah. one of their defensive backs that is out of New Hampshire. Like there are some guys, yeah. I think, in those classes that – if I was a parent, I would want to talk to those coaches and talk to the decision makers be like, hey, between us, what's your plan here? Like, do you have a plan? Yeah. Is is Are you independents uh, joining another conference, begging yeah. to be in one of the bigger conferences? Like, what is your plan? If they don't have a plan, then I, I think that there is a negative effect that will happen, especially on those teams that are just kind of left outside looking in right now. And I'll say this to you, Ryan, as well. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. And this is kind of coming from a comment that uh, that triggered in my head something that Andrew Gilmore just said in the chat is, he said, uh, basically, Oregon State's going to lose their coach. I don't know about that, right, because he's an alum. But I will say yeah. this. It's not just the recruits that are looking for answers. If I'm Jonathan Smith, if I'm Troy Taylor, if I'm Justin Wilcox – I want answers. What is your plan? Because Poor I, Troy I Taylor, say, man. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> you went from one FCS school to another one. Uh, but if you're if you're Jonathan Smith, I've said this before, and and I think you've agreed with me on this, Ryan. I believe Jonathan Smith, if Oregon State takes care of the program and sports program, is going to be there for a long time. But now, I look at it and say, what's your incentive for staying there now? Right? I mean. Uh, I love my school, but like we just got demoted basically to a group of five potentially at this point in time. Yeah. I, I don't want to know what the plan is, you know, and, and as much as I love my school, if I can't compete at the highest level, then, uh, you know, I got to make some decisions. Maybe he stays, maybe he doesn't, but I, I think he's going to those guys are going to be looking for answers now too. I mean, they, they've got to be There's a lot especially of especially Jonathan Smith, a lot of hard questions that have to be asked moving forward for yeah. everyone involved. So there's no doubt. Yeah. Here's one, Ryan, and I, I, I'm going to ask this one of you uh, from Andrew Gilmore. says, will Stanford's class fall apart? Stanford has a major QB committed for 24. Could Notre Dame flip Emmett Mosley 
Jr. I mean, Let's address that last one first, Ryan, because I don't think that this is going to affect Notre Dame and Emmett Mosley. But yeah, I don't think so. I mean, could Emmett Mosley end up at a different school other than Stanford? It's always yeah. possible, but I, it won't end up. I don't think he'll end up at Notre Dame. Like that's just kind of yeah. where we are, Andrew. But I mean, to your original question, it's kind of what we just hit on, right? I mean, could it affect the class? Yes. Could it not affect the class, though? I mean, I, I really think it depends on what Stanford's plan is. Like, I don't know the answer to that, right? Like, I'm sure they're having deep conversations about this. I'm sure that their president and their coaches and decision makers all the way up and down are having this conversation. They have to be because they have to have answers to it, right? So it really depends on how thorough the plan is and what the plan is, is how well they'll keep it intact because the 2024 Stanford class is a really underrated class. Like it's a good class. I was really impressed with what Troy Taylor has been doing so far on the recruiting trail. I actually thought Stanford, if they pack together a couple of those classes together and Troy Taylor's a solid coach, it's like, oh, okay, you can sort of get back a little right. bit. Right. But I mean, it could it fall apart. It's possible. I just think yeah. it's about what, if they have answers to the hard questions right now, right. I'm not sure they do. It, how can you, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how they can. I mean, they're putting a very, very tough situation. Irish AJ asks, does Notre Dame look at the Stanford game now and possibly drop them for a team in a conference? I don't know that that rivalry was going to, st- was going to go on anyway. I think what is it? Yeah. There's one more year of it. I think maybe one more year of that, of that. Um, actually, what is this? Hold on a second. Let me look at Notre Dame's 2024 schedule. The, the Notre Dame Stanford series stops soon, or at least the contract. So they got next year, maybe 25. I think 25 is the last year for that. Let's see here. Oh, yeah. 25. Stanford is not currently on Notre Dame's schedule. Okay. So their contract is up. They haven't re-signed. If you're Stanford, that's a, this is the worst time for that to happen. Because if I'm Notre Dame, Ryan, what value is there in playing Stanford right now? Well, you get a West Coast game. Well, go find another West Coast game. Go, go play Arizona. Go play or you know, go play somebody else. I don't know what value Stanford brings to you anymore. Right. Uh, that Notre Dame could maybe you know, prop it up, I guess, and and still play them to help them out. But I, I mean, Notre Dame's got to do its best for Notre Dame at this point right. in time. But that's a good question. That's a very good question. There's well, people will watch it on TV, but I mean, are, are there going to be a lot of recruits that are going to be checking out Stanford and seeing how Notre Dame's doing out right. west? Like, it's right? Not gonna I mean, if you're if you're in the Mountain West, Ryan, it's no different than if you know, Central Michigan's playing Notre Dame, right? They're going to pay attention, but they're still not going to go to Central Michigan. Not the kids that they you really want. So I, I, yeah. I don't. Might, might, might as well just. Go play Fresno State or San Jose State. If exactly. That's kind of your mission. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what they would become, right? If they're in the same conference, that's why does Notre Dame not travel out west to play Fresno at the end of every year? Because Fresno brings no value. Well, if Stanford's yeah. not in the Pac 12. I don't know what value they bring anymore. I hate saying it. And I hope, I mean, it, it's kind of like Ryan, it, there's bad leadership within bad leadership. Like, part of the reason the bad leadership of the PAC 12 conference existed because there's bad leadership from a school level, because the conference commissioner works for the presidents. They could have gotten rid of Larry Scott time and time again, and they didn't because it's bad leadership. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, so I don't know what they're going to do. I, there's a lot of questions, Ryan, and we should do a show on this sometime. There's a lot of questions about what Notre Dame and the West coast opponents does does USC look to get out of their contract with Notre Dame when it's up now that they're in the Big Ten? It's Does awesome. Notre Dame say, hey, now that you guys are in the Big Ten, 
you're going to be playing November games anyway in the cold. Why not come play us at the end of every year now? Let's make our rivalry at the end of every season. So it's it's going to get interesting. But the, the, the thing is, guys, is we don't have a lot of answers for this stuff. Right. Because you know who else doesn't? Commissioners, presidents, head coaches, ADs. The people that we don't have decisions. a lot of answers right now. I really yeah. don't. I wish we did. But, yeah, we've had a couple questions about Lucky Ducks asked kind of the same question. Like, honestly, right now, if I'm Notre Dame, the, 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 the one incentive we still had to play Stanford is now gone. Right. In my opinion, at least that's my 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 opinion. If I'm in a position of leadership in Notre Dame, I was ready to get rid of that series anyway, Ryan, because we you and I have talked about this for two years now. Stanford has clearly de-emphasized football. They just have. So what value do they bring to you? They not much. Yeah. You're not you're also not competing for the same kids in the recruiting world anymore. You know, so like that doesn't matter. Yeah. Agree. Brandon Plensner. What's up, Brandon? Says, would Notre Dame take Daniel Anderson from Arkansas as the second running back if he wanted to commit? He's out of Bryant High School, by the way. Does the staff not have any other running backs higher on the board to where they'd like to see that recruitment play out first? Right now, yep. I don't believe Daniel Anderson is a guy that could call up the Notre Dame staff and commit to Notre Dame. I, I'm aware of the I'm aware of the reports. I don't think that that I don't and the and the reason is I don't know that there's anyone that could do that right now. I think Notre Dame is in evaluation mode with running backs right as now. they should be. Yeah, and uh, you know could that change if guys have great starts to their senior seasons or ju- absolutely it could change or twenty or junior seasons. It'd be for Daniel Anderson. It'd be a junior season. Sure, absolutely. But no, this is not a situation of a pending commitment. And I know yeah. what you're referring to, Brandon, and it uh, I don't believe that to be the situation at the present moment. No, no, re- no reason to force the issue when you already have a running back committed in the 2025 class. Uh, like it's, yeah. yeah. I, I think some people still have a fundamental misunderstanding of crystal balls. Crystal balls are not always, this kid's going to commit next week. Right. It's, this is where we think it's trending. Even when there's not a decision to be made. Right. And, and they and get so, they get like extra points, right? If they're early the, on it. Yes. So like yeah, if, so. if you're if I work for 24-7 and I think, you know, this is a kid that's down the road, but right now I think Notre Dame's a leader. A, I can change it whenever I want. So sure. if next week Notre Dame calls me and tells me, hey, we're not taking this kid, I can change it to somebody else. And that's something else I don't like about 20, crystal balls. I would love, I would have a lot more respect for it if you could do it once. And you can't do it within a week of a kid's commitment date. Right. I mean, something, you know, where you can't just everybody changes it last minute when the kid's about to commit. And then like, I got a 93 percent you know, accuracy. No, you don't. Because you you wait to the last minute or you flip at the last minute. So you can only do it once. So you better be careful with how you put it in because you only do it once. You can't change it. But the way that it works, to your point, Ryan, is if I put a crystal ball in now for a kid that I think is going to commit. Months down the road, then I get more points and a whatever better results if he does end up picking. But, like, we see this stuff all the time. I remember one time somebody put a crystal ball in for Alex Bauman, Kevin Bauman's brother, to go to Notre Dame. Oh, yeah. Ended up signing with Tulane. You know what I mean? So, like, I understood why that crystal ball was put in early. I don't think it should have been, but I understand it because it's like, well, hey, if they push for him, they're going to get this kid. Yeah. And, you know, and I get a lot of points for it or whatever the case may be. So, it's not always a – Per, and, and they do this to themselves, Ryan, because when a kid is about to commit, they'll do they'll all put crystal balls in the same day. And then it kind of everybody thinks, well, so then when they do it and it's not a kid's committing tomorrow. Right. It, people will jump the gun and think that. And um, 
Yeah, that's kind of where it's at. A lot, a lot more of those posi- p- prediction percentages would start to look like Brandon Winbush's Bush, uh, completion percentage at Notre if, Dame. If, if they could only do it once. Yeah. yeah, and they and they yeah. couldn't do it like right near an announcement. Absolutely. Yes. Once a kid announces his date or that he's going to commit, you can't, you can't put a put crystal ball in. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody I'd have a lot more respect for the. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd have a lot more respect for someone with a high percentage at that point in time. Yes. Than the other <laughs> way around. We had a super chat from Tyler Evans. It says, which Pac-12 school? We'll have a oh, thank you so much for the super chat, Tyler. I forgot to say that. Which Pac 12 school will have a harder time in the Big Ten and end up like Nebraska? I would say Washington and UCLA. UCLA being at the top of my list. I said Washington UCLA first, but I think UCLA is the one that I think has the best option. Washington maybe could be better than Nebraska. But when I say Washington, Ryan, in Nebraska, I'm more thinking of what Nebraska was for the first decade of being in the Big Ten. They're yeah. like a nine-win team almost every year. I mean, uh, who was it? Bo, was Who was their coach when they Bo made Pelini. the move into the Big Ten? Was Bo their coach when they made the move into the Big Ten? I can't remember. Because what year was that? Was that 13 was, or 14? I can't remember. It was 11, actually. So, yeah, Bo was their coach when they made the move. Well, in the, his last three years in the Big 12, Bo won 9, 10, and 10 games. And then the next four years at Nebraska, he won 9, 10, 9, and 9 games, right? I mean, yep. they were pretty much the same team because the Big 10 West wasn't great. And then, of course, Wisconsin, Nebraska you know, said, hey, we think we matter more. And, and Bo wasn't the, the most lovable guy on the, on the planet. So they got rid of him and hired Mike Riley, who's a much more likable guy and not – they weren't very good. They went six and seven, nine and four, and four and eight. Then Mike Riley gets fired. And then um, I'm trying to remember who did they bring? Is that when they did they get Frost right Scott after Frost him? After that, yeah. Okay, so. so they get Frost in 2008. And they think he's going to turn it around, and of course he is. He's a failure as well. I mean, he was awful. He goes four and eight, okay. five and seven, three and five, three and nine. He goes one and two. They get fired, and they finish the year four and eight. So. To me, like when I say Washington, Ryan, it's that early Big Ten success for Nebraska. Like an eight to ten win team every year. Occasionally you have that one really good senior laden team that maybe can make a run at a championship game in the conference, but you're not going to be a powerhouse. USC is still going to be USC. If they have a good coach, they're going to be good. I mean, that's just the reality of it, right, Ryan? I mean, they're going to still get West Coast kids. They're USC. If USC has the right coach, they can be good in whatever conference they play in if they have the right coach. If they don't, they won't be good. And that's the the problem for me with them in the Big Ten, Ryan, is if they make a bad hire at head coach, it's going to hurt them a lot more now than it did when they were in the Pac-12. Because even under uh, uh, Clay Helton, they could win games in the big in the Pac-12 that they could just still out-talent people until yeah. his last year. You do that in the Big Ten, you better hope you have a soft schedule coming up. Because there's going to be a lot more teams in the Big Ten that can beat a Clay Helton coached USC team than what before. And a perfect example is the 2017 Notre Dame team season, where USC was 11 and three. They dominated the Pac-12. They played two Midwestern teams that were really good, and they got their brains beat in in both games. Now the Ohio State game was 24 to seven, but the game was as physically dominant as the Notre Dame game was over them. They weren't, they were never in that game. And then Notre Dame beat them 49 to 14 because that was a soft, not very well coached, very talented USC team. 
Well, now you might have to play four or five teams like that, depending on what your schedule looks like. So you can't hide a bad coach as much. But right now with Lincoln Riley, USC is going to win, and they're going to be very good in whatever league they play in the longer Lincoln is there, in my opinion. And now he's going to be going into, what, year four as a head coach by the time they join the Big Ten? They'll be fine as long as they continue to make good coaching hires. But as we've seen at USC, UCLA most or USC most of our lifetime, UCLA, USC tends to make more bad hires than good hires. And that was true, Ryan, even when I was young. Uh, so we'll see. But UCLA, to me, I think this kills UCLA. I don't think UCLA has any chance of becoming a football uh, conference championship caliber team in the Big Ten. I don't think they have any chance. And Oregon's another one. Oregon has proven that they can go toe-to-toe with Big Ten teams. I mean, they went into Columbus a couple years ago and beat Ohio State because – Oregon has always been a team that traditionally has been a very good let's run the football team, right? They get those big Samoan linemen that are physical. They've produced some NFL offensive linemen. They play more of a style of football to me that would fit well in the Big Ten, and then they're going to have really good athletes. So I think Oregon could be a Penn State caliber team in the Big Ten. Not never, never Ohio State, never Michigan, you know, never USC, but could be a Penn State team. I could see Oregon being that good in the Big Ten. In my opinion. Well, and because they, they, I mean, they recruit on a high level, obviously, and I, right. I agree with you in that instance. I, I mean, UCLA is, was my easy answer to the question. I, because one, I think that they don't recruit as well as the other three schools that we're talking about there, not quite. And then also, I still believe Chip Kelly wants to go back to the NFL at some point. I, I, I mean, he's mm-hmm. never been a guy that's just kind of stuck around for a long time in any one place, and I think that. Just kind of seeing him in Philadelphia for a couple of years, I think perception bothers him a little bit at times. So mm-hmm. I think that he kind of wants to get back to the NFL to kind of prove some guys wrong at some point. So I'd be, I'd be surprised if Chip Kelly was there for like another seven years, something like that. Like yeah. I would just be very surprised if he was there that long. Had a super chat from Justin Knox. Thank you so much, Justin. Who are three players on each side of the ball we can least afford to lose? Not named Sam Hartman. Who can potentially cost us a game? Oh boy, uh, Joe Walt to me, Ryan at left tackle is the most obvious one. Yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm I'm gonna cheat, and I'm not gonna cheat. I'm gonna, I mean, I truly believe this, Ryan. I I think the three most posi- the positions they can least afford to lose someone that could cost them a game if it's a middle game is literally your three returning starters in the offensive line, Blake Fisher, Joe Walton, Z Carell, like. Like, look, skill p- positions to me are much more easy to plug and play, Ryan, because they're naturally pro- rotation positions anyway. So yeah. like, let's say one of your starting receivers goes down in the second quarter. You're not replacing them with a dude that's never seen the field that game, right? You're, you, you've already got a rotation going. If, uh, is, is Notre Dame have a back as good as Audric Estime right now? No, they don't. But could they absolutely put some guys on the field that they can go win a lot of football games with behind him? Absolutely. And it doesn't mean that Audric's not important or not good. It just means it's the nature of the position. It's a lot easier to just go throw a freshman running back out and say, hey, we're just going to rely on Jeremiah Love's God-given ability with, with Jabron Payne and Jadarian Price. They don't necessarily know what they're doing, but just get in the flipping ball, right? You can't do that on the offensive line. There's so much more technique involved and communication and I'm working with somebody else. And it's just, it's not that just let your athleticism take over like it is a receiver and those type of positions. So I'm going center in both tackle spots for me. I mean, now, if you're talking about could Notre Dame lose all three of their starting receivers and be good, that'd be tougher because now you don't have a lot of depth. But, I mean, if Notre Dame had to go into a game and your starting three was Deion Colsey, Jaden Greathouse, and Rico Flores, your offense isn't going to suck. 
You know what I mean, right? Like they're going to still be okay at that point in time. So that's why I'm going to three linemen on offense. Joe Walt would be number one for me. Number two would be Zeke Carell for the similar reasons. I mean, centers are very important. I actually would go Audric at running back just because Mm -hmm. there's some injuries behind him as far as in the past and just kind of the durability stuff of running backs. I think could be a little tricky at times. So I would go Audric, but I would go center and left tackle is two of the most important positions in offense. If I can't pick quarterback, I will say this. I don't not disagreeing with your opinion. If you were able to see fall camp this year, I think you might change your mind. Sorry. Just because you'd see guys are healthy and you'd see, I mean, you haven't seen Devin Ford in a Notre Dame uniform. You haven't seen how Jadarian sure. looks and all that kind of stuff. So it's a fair, it's a fair point. And I would wonder if I hadn't been at practice, if I would have a similar view to you. That's fair. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, defense. What about defense, Ryan? Um, I'm going to go on defense. To me, it is going to be Benjamin Morrison, Xavier Watts. And I'm going to go either one of the big ends, either Nana or Javante Jean-Baptiste. And the reason I say that is is because that's a position I'm already concerned about. And when you lose a starter from a position I'm already concerned about, and now all of a sudden a true freshman likely gets moved to number two or you got to move somebody out, that's not a great spot to be. So you can't afford to lose one of those three guys. So it's a little bit of a different way of looking at it, Ryan. It's not so much that they're one of the three most irreplaceable. It's just – if that position becomes a weakness, it's going to be hard for me to say your defensive line is going to be great because he says, hey, look, we can avoid 12 and 99 because we're going to pick on these big ends because they're throwing a bunch of freshmen out there now because they had an injury. So that's where I'm going to go. Benjamin Morrison, Xavier Watts, and, and either one of the big ends. You can't lose either one of them. I'll put them together. Benjamin Morrison – Xavier Watts for a lot of the same reasons. And then I would go with Riley Mills just because I think Riley Mills is going to be a dude yeah. this year. And yeah. while I think that you still have some options behind him, I'm just yeah. a little worried about the separation from a senior compared to a Richard sophomore or a true freshman or right. working down the list. Because you'd have like Jason Onye could play there. Gabriel Rubio could play there. Donovan Heinish could play there. None of them would be as good as Riley. That was right. my my gut was to go there or Batelho was sort of my gut if it was more about losing a premium player. Batelho be picking one. one of those two. Yeah, but I uh, I'm just that's when we'll talk about concerns we have of this team when we get close to the season because I have some. I mean, there's the, I I'm excited about this team, but I'm not looking at saying boy this is a perfect team with no problems. They're gonna they're gonna destroy everyone. They're gonna look like 2019 LSU. I'm not saying that. And the biggest concern I've had so far is just that big end position. Just a lot of uncertainty about what it's going to look like this year. Yeah. We had another super chat from Mark one. Thank you, Mark. Any new news with the weight room, new progression. Uh, I'm not Mark. I'm not quite sure what you're referring to there. If it's referring new, to new um, coach, maybe if is it's referring to the new coach, I don't have any news on that. If it's referring to how guys are progressing in the weight room, I don't have any news on that right now. Uh, camp's not a heavy weight room time. Anyway, it's more about just maintaining. And, and then if it's about uh, they are, there's some talk about remodeling and you know, that type of thing. So if you're talking about that either, also, I don't have a lot of information. So no matter which angle, we look at it. I'm not, I don't have a lot for you on the strength yeah. and conditioning program in the weight room right now. 
So sorry about that, buddy. But I do appreciate your super chat, Mark. Next question was from Corey Dean, who says, what is going to happen to the six automatic bids on the pack on the 12 playoff now that it's the pack four? Well, if the rule doesn't change, it just means which it I mean, might. <laughs> right. Yeah. It just if it doesn't change, it it's I mean, you still have six conferences champions. You're it just won't be the pack four. There won't be a pack four. I mean, uh, that there's not gonna be a four team pack four in 2024. Something's gonna happen. They're either gonna merge or they're gonna bring some teams with them, whatever the case may be. Uh, what'll happen is is okay, you've got the Big Ten champ, the SEC champ, the Big 12 champ, the ACC champ, then it's going to be oh, the Mountain West champ or the AAC champ or something like that if the rule doesn't change. Most likely what I would think would happen is, and this is what I think the big conferences would like, is I think what they'll do, Ryan, is they're going to go to just four. I think they'll drop to four. They may go five and say, because we want to have some you know, group of five team and drop it down to five, but I think I think you'll just remove one or two spots from that is what I think will happen. I don't think they're just going to completely revamp it and say, Hey, no auto. Cause some people said no automatic bids. And you know, to me, when, when the conference is expanded to 12, I don't know why you have automatic bids. I, I think the only reason the automatic bid was put in there was to guarantee a group of five. I think that's the only reason for an automatic bid. I wouldn't be surprised. And, and I've gone back and forth on this as I've thought through it. So I could change my mind again. But I, I think at this point in time, the best odds are that you'll just see them get rid of automatic bids. And just look at it that way. If there's a push to change it, you can maybe say they'll go to five and four four of the, the big four champ gets a bid. And then the, the highest ranked group of five champ, I think is the best. The most likely thing we'll see, but I think the whole thing gets revamped as far as the bids. How how do, do other aspects of it get impacted by this? I don't know, but I I'll be surprised if they just keep going with six. I just don't see that. I just don't see that happening. I could see them dropping a four. Uh, I could see them going to to five, and I could see them getting rid of it. Um, I personally would get rid of it, but that's just because I, I mean if. <clears throat> If your champ is not one of the 12 best, you shouldn't be in any way. And what you can maybe see then is like if they were to go to four, you could come up with something how I could see this. The the four quote unquote power conferences, their champ gets an gets a gets an automatic um four, one through four seed, something like that. You can maybe see something like that. Again, I don't know that I would do that, but there's a lot of different options they could do. I personally would not. I just get rid of automatic bids personally. I, I just and I think that's eventually where it's going to be. That was more of these conferences kind of get done away with it. I think it's just going to be more of a just no bids. Just pick your 12. The other thing you could do is you could keep it at six and then expand to playoff to 16. That's another thing that they could do. Uh, I hope that they don't do that. I don't want to see it expanded beyond 12. 